This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Folks, we need to realize the devil, there's a very real devil in operation in the earth. Very real devil in the operation of the earth. Do you remember in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul said it's verse 12. He's talking about putting on the whole armor of God. Starts in verse 10, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It gets, goes on in verse 12 and says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now it doesn't say we don't wrestle, it just says we don't wrestle against people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. It gives you four classifications of the way that the devil's working in the earth. One of them is the rulers of the darkness of this world. Rulers of the darkness of this world. Do you remember Daniel's prayer, Daniel chapter 10? Turn back to Daniel chapter 10. I could refer to some of these things and save some time, but I'm not sure it would be helpful. It would be better, I think, for everybody to see it and be reminded of it. Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to start in verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Persia is Iran. The kingdom of Persia equates to basically the country of Iran today. A little bit more territory than what we know of in uh, the boundaries of Iran, but basically Iran. So it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. Verse 2, In those days I, Daniel, was in mourning, meaning fasting three weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks, twenty-one days, were fulfilled. Then it tells us about how Daniel prayed. He saw a vision, he prayed, and uh, so forth. Verse 10, skip down with me to verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me. This is after 21 days. He's been fasting and praying for 21 days. He says, then uh, uh, behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. People get all upset when people fall under the power of God. Wait till God starts setting them up. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, and understand, uh, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. And then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set your heart to understand, that's 21 days earlier, set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself fast before thy God. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. In other words, he's saying God heard you 21 days ago. Well, why why is it taking him 21 days to get through with the answer that he's looking for? Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now remember in verse 1, Cyrus is the king, the natural, physical, human king of Persia. Now he says there's another authority at work behind the scenes. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, literally an archangel, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now what is he saying? He's saying there's a dual kingdom in operation in the earth. There's a satanic influence behind world governments and countries. Now, there was no hindrance. There was no difficulty. There was no problem whatsoever. From the first day that Daniel started praying, God sent the answer. The problem wasn't with God. The problem wasn't even with Daniel. The problem was the work of the devil, these rulers of the darkness of this world, 
That, that would have to be the classification that this would fall in, wouldn't it? The prince of the kingdom of Persia. In other words, an unseen spiritual force, unseen satanic force at work behind Cyrus, the physical human king of that land. That would have to be the rulers of the darkness of this world. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me low, in tw- low one in 20 days, 21 days. So much so that, it, that Michael, one of the big dogs, big honchos, big cheese, angels, had to come help him. I wonder if it still works that way today. We have no reason to think that it doesn't, especially with what Paul told us about wicked spirits in the heavenlies and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Knowing that there are rulers of the darkness of this world behind the um, world powers. And notice that this speaks of Iran. This same prince of the kingdom of Persia is at work today. It's one of the reasons why Iran is such a threat to the world. Turn with me over to Ezekiel chapter 28. Back to Ezekiel 28. Let me show you something else that the Bible says here. I'm going to start in verse 1. Ezekiel said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus. Tyrus is the kingdom of Lebanon. What we know of as modern-day Lebanon. Same places we had trouble with today, they had trouble with back then. Why? Because of these evil spirits that are working behind the rulers. Son of man saying to the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thy heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man. So he's talking about a human being there. Yet thou art a man and not a God, though thou set thy heart as the heart of God. And then he goes on to say some things about him and about his kingdom. Skip with me down to verse 11 now. Moreover, here's more of the prophecy. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. First guy was called the prince of Tyrus. The, the positions were reversed from Daniel 10. The prince of Tyrus was referred to be as a man. Now he's saying, prophesy unto the king of Tyrus, the king of Lebanon. And say unto them, thou saith, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sun, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius and topaz and diamond and beryl and onyx and jasper and sapphire, the emerald and the carbuncle and gold. The workmanships of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. This can't be a man, folks. No man was in the Garden of Eden except Adam. Nobody walked upon the holy mountain of God. No human being has walked upon the holy mountain of God. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. So it's a created being, but it can't be human. So who is it? talking about Satan. So what is it telling us? We've got two examples, really even more. Uh, Luke chapter 4, for example, when Jesus was tempted of the devil, one of the temptations was the devil took him up into a, uh, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in in a moment of time. And he said, I will give you the glory of all these kingdoms for they have been delivered unto me. If you'll just fall down and worship me. Now Satan said, that the glory of the kingdoms, literally the authority of the earth's kingdoms, had been delivered unto him. That's world governments, folks. 
it's foolish for us to think that because we are a so-called Christian nation that there are not evil spirits working against our country too. It's foolish for us to think there's not a prince of the kingdom of the United States that's working behind the scenes. Now, some people will say, well, the devil was lying to Jesus. If he was lying, then why didn't Jesus call him a liar? Why did Jesus respond to the, what he said, what the Bible indicates was a bona fide temptation? If it was a lie, it's not a real temptation. If you were to come up to me and say, Pastor Mike, I'll give you $100 million if you'll just renounce Jesus. That's not a real temptation to me because I know you. You don't have the money. Do you see the point? For the devil to offer Jesus something that, the, that Jesus knew he didn't have, where's the temptation in that? Jesus responded and said, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou shalt worship the Lord, and him only shalt thou serve. Turn with me over to Zechariah chapter 10. You guys know this one. I spend a lot of time with this. Folks, I've got to tell you, I spend most of my praying right here. 1 Timothy 2 for me is the equivalent of Zechariah 10. I don't go through and pray for President Obama. I don't pray for the Supreme Court. I don't pray for the, the leaders in Congress. Because if I do, if I get into my head, my prayer time is done. So I stay out of my head. The extent of my praying with my understanding is, now Lord, you gave me instruction to pray according to 1 Timothy chapter 2, to pray for the leaders of our nations. I need the Holy Ghost help to pray according to your plan and purpose. And I spend time praying in tongues. Now if something comes to my mind, in the meantime, while I'm praying in other tongues, then I'll pray that out in English. But I spend most of my time fulfilling 1, Peter, or 1 Timothy chapter 2, the instructions given to me in 1 Timothy chapter 2 by speaking in other tongues, praying in other tongues, praying by the Spirit. Now you can, you, I don't care how you qualify that. Maybe that's just my spiritual immaturity. Maybe I'm just not spiritually mature enough to, to be able to get into my head and stay in my head and pray with my understanding and so forth. But even with the greatest understanding I could ever come up with, it's going to be lacking as, as far as what the Holy Ghost could give me, isn't it? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm letting my whole, the Holy Ghost do my praying for me. He doesn't pray for you. He just helps you pray. He's the helper. A helper without a guide, a helper without a partner is of no value. You're the one to pray, but he helps you. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing School is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. You're looking in the future for something to happen. You need to turn around and look behind you. And what the Bible says has already happened. Because behind you is the cross. And on the cross, Jesus shed his blood for your sins, for your peace, literally your financial well-being, and your sickness. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Foothill Family Church, 
Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Well, here's what I pray. Zechariah 10, verse 1. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Now, let me stop here long enough to, to, to uh, explain what it means when it talks about rain. When, uh, when God led Israel to the promised land, He told them, that it was land that was flowing with milk and honey. He said it's watered with the rains of heaven. But then he identified and specified what those rains were. He said that there would be an early rain. Now this was different than the land of Egypt that they came out of and they've been wandering in the wilderness for a couple of years up until that point in time until they came to the edge of the promised land. It's different than anything they had before. In Egypt they had these treadmill type things that would pump water. The only water available was the Nile. It never rained and so they had to take the Nile River and, and pump it out and irrigate other places so they'd have food and crops and so forth. Well, God said to Israel, and this was one of the big attractions, uh, big incentive points. He said, the land that I'm leading you to is not like the land where you're watered by your foot, meaning the treadmill things. But it's watered from the rains of heaven. It's dependent on heaven. Now, folks, everything in the promised land is a type of what belongs to us as believers under the new covenant. We don't have a geographical boundary that God has said, this is yours. We have a spiritual boundaries or spiritual territory that he said, this is yours. Well, what's ours? Righteousness, healing, blessing, favor, help, power, and so forth. So our territory is not a geographic one like Israel, the nation of Israel has. Our territory is a spiritual blessing that accompanies us wherever we go, wherever God leads us to go. So our spiritual land, our promised land, is supposed to be just as dependent on the rains of heaven as the land of, Egypt, or the land of Israel is for them. One, on uh, both of our trips to Israel over the last, well, I guess the first time we went was uh, 2002. We went about six months after 9-11. Had the whole country to ourselves. It was wonderful. Went back a few years later. But in both cases, the guides made a point to say every day the people of Israel pray and say, thank you, Father, for rain or send the rain. Something to that effect. Everybody is taught every day to pray. Now, they think they're heard from them much speaking. It's not working real well for them. But they pray. They recognize that the rain, without the rain, their country is dust. And so God said to Israel about the promised land, he said, I'll give you the former rain and the latter rain. Now, the former rain was supposed to soften the ground so that they could plant crops and so that the seed would take root. The latter rain was to come at time of harvest to set the fruit or the crops so that it could be reaped and would be good to eat. Well, that's the rain that it's talking about. That's the rain that God uses as a type of the Holy Spirit for the church. The former rain and the latter rain. Now, what's the former rain? The former rain is that which enables that work of the Holy Spirit, that move of God, that outpouring of the Holy Ghost that helped to set the seed. That's what Acts 2.4 was about. That's why Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem without the Holy Ghost. Because without the rain, without the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, which is the type of the rain, the seed that you would plant would do no good. And see, folks, no matter how good the seed is, no matter how good the ground is, without the rain, it's ineffective. It won't produce. You remember Paul talked about this writing to the Corinthians. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Well, what did Paul plant? 
the seed of the word of God. What did Apollos water with? He watered with the word of God, the teachings of the word of God. Paul planted the same thing that Apollos taught. But the fact that they hadn't heard, heard it before made it planting from Paul and then watering from Apollos. But then God gave the increase because it was planted and then watered. That's a type that God uses throughout the whole, the whole of the Old Testament for Israel, literal Israel, and for us, the church, spiritual Israel. The former rain, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost that set the seed. In other words, it enabled or empowered them to do a supernatural work from the teaching of the gospel. They could have taught the gospel the day before, would have had little if, no, if any results whatsoever. But with the move of the Spirit of God, 5,000 people were swept into the kingdom. Now here's where the church tries to do their own thing. The church still tries to work like they're in the land of Egypt where they're watering with their foot. They come up with programs. The best program in the world, if it doesn't have the wind of the Holy Ghost behind it or the rain of the Holy Ghost along with it, will not produce any good. But you can come up with the simplest idea and it be watered with the rains of heaven and produce miraculous results. But see, man is so used to trying to do it on his own. Man's so used to trying to come up with the, the, the smart way to do things. Well, folks, the smart way to do things is to find God's plan and go with that. Doesn't always make your name great, but it brings supernatural results. So if that's the early rain, then what's the latter rain? The latter rain is that which will bring in the precious fruit of the earth. James chapter 5, verse 7 says, Behold, the husbandman waiteth. Talking about Jesus, the husbandman waiteth. For the precious fruit of the earth. Well, we know he's waiting because he hadn't come. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And he has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. There's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost as promised to us. There's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now, what's it going to look like? Well, I would assume it's going to look like things that we've seen before. I would assume it's going to look the same way that it did. I mean, rain is rain. Early rain and latter rain, the only difference is timing. So I would assume it's going to look the same way that it did before, where people are going to be swept into the kingdom of God in multitudes, and healings and miracles will take place. So ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. It all comes down to the right time. Are we living in the time of the latter rain? That's the real question. Well, I don't see how the earth could be shaken much more. I mean, most countries are hanging on by a thread now. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds. Margin of my Bible says lightnings. It's talking about a power, the power of God in demonstration. Well, what do we see in Solomon's day when the, uh, the, uh, the glory of the former house? What do we see? We see the manifestation of God's power and a, uh, I'm sorry, a manifestation of his presence, the glory cloud, and a demonstration of his power. That's the same thing that we saw in the days of the early church, Acts chapter 2. We saw a manifestation of God's presence. Fire fell on all of them, and they began to speak with other tongues. And we saw a demonstration of his power, healings and signs and wonders. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain. In other words, it indicates that the latter rain is not going to be one major outpouring, but it's going to be a lot of smaller pourings, outpourings all over the earth. Showers of rain. Now what's it going to produce? To everyone grass in the field. That's the precious fruit of the earth. 
That's that precious fruit of the earth. That's that precious fruit of the earth that Jesus is coming back for. Folks, that's what it's all about. That's exactly what it's about. The precious fruit of the earth. That's why Paul said, writing to Timothy, I exhort that first of all, first of all, pray for other people first. Pray for other people first. Make supplications, offer prayers, intercessions. The difference between supplications and intercessions in a nutshell is supplication is praying for people that know, the, know God, they're part of God's family. Intercession is praying for people that are outside of God's family, those that are lost. You may pray similarly, but depending on who it's prayed for makes the difference between those two. And then finally it says giving of thanks. Now folks, I want to remind you what Paul said. Paul wrote in what's commonly called his thorn, Paul was talking about persecution. He talked about the things that, he, that uh, the Jews stirred up, Jews primarily, the devil was behind it, but the things that the Jews primarily stirred up against him wherever he would go. These same people that he prayed would get saved. He'd be willing to give up his salvation if they'd get saved. They're trying to have him killed every time he steps foot outside his door. And that's what he prayed about. He prayed and asked God three times, Lord, take this messenger of Satan. Take this, this satanic assignment away from me. He seemed to come to the understanding that the devil had a specific work against him rather than just different people in different situations for different reasons not liking him, but he recognized that there was this unseen force just like that works against governments that was working against him in the preaching of the gospel and the ministry that God had given him. So he prayed three times. He said, Lord, let this thing be taken from me. Take this thing away from me. Well, Jesus has not redeemed us from persecution. Jesus answered and says, my grace is sufficient for you. The reason he said my grace is sufficient for you, which is the same thing as saying my strength is with you, is because Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Paul goes further to say that those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, which explains why most of the church isn't being persecuted. You've got to live right. You've got to take a stand for the truth. You've got to live according to the word to find persecution. Otherwise, you just become the accepted religion. So what did Paul conclude? He said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. Now, infirmities doesn't mean sickness. The infirmity he's talking about is the weakness that comes against me because of all the persecutions that the devil and the Jews are stirring up against me. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, for when I physically am weak, then am I strong. I take pleasure in my infirmities so that the power of Christ will rest upon me. In other words, he's saying, I find the power of God when I'm persecuted. Folks, if the glory of God and the power of God is promised to the church, guess what that means? Look at the backward steps that Christianity has taken as far as the government is concerned over the last 20 years. Really in the last, what, 10? It seems to be increasing more and more and more. Why? Because the devil who is behind government systems is trying to stir up the heat on the church. Now, why is the devil so interested in this? Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28? Turn with me to, or Matthew chapter 24, I guess it is. Let me see if I can find it and you can turn with me. Matthew 24. 
I think it's verse 14. But we'll see. Yep, Matthew 24, verse 14. Here's why this is so important. Here's why the church needs to pray. Here's why you need to make your prayer life about other people. Here's why you need to spend so much time praying in the Spirit for our world. Here's why. So that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life so that the gospel can go forward. And here's the reason that the devil is fighting it so much. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. The word witness means with proof or evidence. In other words, with power. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, not unto everybody, not unto every individual, but unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Remember Jesus went into the temple one time and he was uh, casting the devil out of somebody and the evil spirit spoke up and said, Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? You remember that? There is a time coming, folks. The devil knows his time is short. And he knows that when the gospel gets preached, his jig is up. That's when the end comes. So what did God do in the early days of the church, in Acts, beginning in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, what did God do to enable the church to preach the gospel? He poured out the Holy Ghost. What then, if the gospel being preached and the latter rain is also promised to us, is God going to do at the end so that the precious fruit of the earth comes forth so that Jesus can come back for the church? An outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. How much time we got, Pastor Mike? I don't know. I'm expecting to be able to finish this message, but beyond that, I have no idea. <laughs> Could be any time, folks. Could be any time. There is no sign, there is no prophecy yet to be fulfilled except the shout from heaven for Jesus to return for the church. That's it. And you are the only generation that's ever been able to say that. Never before. There have been people throughout the, throughout the years in, uh, in decades past that have made excuses for, well, maybe this is not going to have to be fulfilled because of this and because of that. There have been all kinds of excuses made throughout the years, but this is the only time ever in the history of the church, in the history of the world, that we can say with absolute certainty that every prophecy has been fulfilled. Jesus' return is imminent. He could come anytime. Anytime. Why doesn't he? Because he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And the thing that brings about that precious fruit of the earth is the latter rain, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, a move of the Spirit of God, a move of God's power, a demonstration of His power, a manifestation of His Spirit, His presence, to bring about the thing that He wants most, which is a family. Bible prophecy is being fulfilled all around us. For this reason, it's so important for us to pray for our nation. Allow the Holy Ghost to lead you in prayer for God's victory to be seen because Jesus is coming soon. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
He says, do something about it. Paul said to renew our mind. James said to receive the word, which is able to save our souls. So let's paraphrase that and say it this way for better understanding. He said, lay apart all the distractions of the world and receive with meekness. Be teachable. That's what meek means. It means to be teachable. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.